Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural podcast episode of the Liturgy Fellowship. So glad you're here. My name is Rick Jensen. I'll be your host today, along with Karen Simmons and Mike Farley and our special guest, Sam Hargraves. So Litfell is a group formed of all kinds of people involved in a worship service. Worship leaders, pastors, music leaders, liturgists, engineers, musicians, writers, and others. Litfell exists to encourage and support one another, discuss the joys and challenges of the local church, create and share resources for worship, all while reminding one another of the joy of our salvation in Jesus. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the group Liturgy Fellowship. Now, I've been around Litfell since the beginning, and it's been a massive joy to see this community grow to more than 5,000 people. This podcast will, we hope, be another way to highlight different resources and discussions taking place in the group. We plan on having a monthly news roundup covering some of the great things you all have highlighted in the group. We'll be doing some short interviews with folks to dive more deeply into ideas and resources. And we want to help each other learn and grow artistically, culturally, theologically, and even historically. And so we want to have a regular spot that perhaps leans into traditions or history that not everyone will be aware of. We also want to hear from you, where you are, how you're serving, what you're learning, and what you're working on. So each month we'll have a member spotlight hearing from you in your voice. And speaking of member spotlights, I want to jump into it now with Karen Simmons, who has jumped in to be our news presenter, as they say in the UK. Uh, Karen, how about you give us a short intro of yourself, where you are, what you're doing, and why we've roped you in to presenting the news. (laughs) Thanks, Rick. Well, yes, my name is Karen Simmons, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I moved here in 96 and have worked um, in and around the music industry for, oh, I don't want to count how many years that is, <clears throat> right. but it's a few. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I am, uh, I have, I've been in and around church music, worship music in the Anglican tradition, in other traditions, in the PCA tradition, in um, just mainline, mainline churches and have, have done a lot in the way of, of church music for a long Very time. Good. How did, how did yeah. you get started in getting involved in worship stuff. What, what was your background there? Well, my, I, I cheated a little with my background. My dad was a music pastor, ah. so um, <laughs> I got roped into it from a very, very early age. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was in the era of choirs and praise teams and all of that kind of thing. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. So. Oh, cool. Uh, well, thanks uh, for doing this. I know that for a while now you've been doing kind of the weekly Litfell roundup, uh, yeah. gathering different items and, you know, trying to highlight those sorts of things. Cause there's a lot of resources that are, that are, people are putting out there, which is, and I'm really glad that you're doing that yeah. because yeah, curating those, uh, is a challenge. There's a lot of people asking a lot of great questions and different resources. Yeah, there are a lot of different, um, there are so many people coming from different backgrounds, but there are also a ton of people that are incredible creators. Mm. Um, and we've got uh, obviously incredible musicians and people that are, that are writing for the church, but we've also got visual artists and we've got people that are reading incredible books, um, on, on theology and arts in the church. And we've got people that are writing towards that. And so there's, there's just a, a wealth of knowledge and um, experience in this group that it seemed a shame not to be able to sort of have a weekly central place to be able to locate something yeah. um, and dig yeah. into it from there. Well, especially across traditions, because I know that we've got folks yeah. from, you know, uh, Catholics and Anglicans and mm-hmm. non-denoms and charismatics and all kinds of other folks. So it's, yep. uh, it's fun to be able to do that. Well, so looking back over the last uh, four weeks, obviously in April, we just had Easter. Uh, so lots of different discussions and some of that sort of stuff. What, what are some mm-hmm. of the things that you saw that you really want to highlight and, and point out to folks? Well, there are a couple of things that um, that have come to my attention. Mm. It, just even in the last week, one of our members, um, Emily McCoy, and her church released a song called Come Alive um, under the artist name Middlebrook Music, and it's mm. just stunning, absolutely beautiful. Caroline Cobb's new release, um, Psalms, The Poetry of Prayer. I mean, it is, she did a lot, yeah. did some cross, um, cross work with a couple other Litfell members, um, Wendell Kimbrew and Rachel Wilhelm. And yeah. uh, the, the music is gorgeous. It, totally congregational, I felt, on several on, on several of the songs. I thought a lot of them were really easily singable. And, yeah. and, uh, Caroline's and been doing it, stuff for, for quite a while now, right? She's been doing stuff for a long time. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so I really enjoy her, her pieces. This was just such a beautiful, beautiful offering, um, working straight through the Psalms. Yeah. What, and so what else was happening there? What else is happening there? Um, I listened to Justin Philip Brooks's um, and watched him actually on the Mountain Dulcimer play Praise to the Lord the Almighty, the, the hymn <laughs> that we're all very... It is exquisite. It is so beautiful. I'm just so blown away by the amount of talent that's in this group. But that, it was, (laughs) it floored me. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's not a, a a instrument that you usually think about, uh, in most contexts, the hammer dulcimer. No, no, (laughs) it's not. It's not at all. So. Yes. So also I was really intrigued. Uh, Paul Neely has a really fantastic um, blog called Global Worship, Mm. and he posts periodically on different things. And one of his posts around Easter was um, modern a post about modern icons of um, that Ukrainian artists had put together. Oh wow! And it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And all of the icons had to do um, with Easter. And the Easter theme. That's, it's fascinating to think about that because, you know, if you if folks aren't familiar, I know that uh, the Eastern tradition and their approach to icons is it's it's really spiritual. It's not just a painting. It's mm-hmm. no, it's there's all this stuff to go through and to think about that. Um, yeah. Wow. OK, yeah. I got to go look up that. Uh, so yeah, Paul go look Neely. it up. It's really globalworship.tumblr.com. So that's where he's at. Perfect. And then one of our members um, posted a blog entry written by James Rickenbacker called When My Daughters Sing Me the Gospel. And I don't have daughters. I have sons. But it about did me Uh. in. And just just find it on the last uh, on the last Litfell list post and read it. It's a very short read, probably about a 45 second read. It's not long at all. But it was so beautiful, and it just spoke to the generational beauty of what we pass down and what our kids mm, learn. And I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. cry on that one, aren't I? I think you about will. my daughter. Yeah. You okay. Will. All right. Good. Yeah. Just as long as I'm prepared, then I can do that. That's, I think that's, you should read it on good. the podcast, and we can all oh. <laughs> we can all enjoy that. <laughs> it just, it just, it just listen to me break down. Like, sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, and then I, you also had a note on here on the on the worship for workers initiative. Yeah. There is some really cool stuff going on there. Um, Matthew Kamig and Corey Wilson have written a book called Work and Worship. And Fuller Seminary has um, started an initiative that is being headed up by Katie Rolfs. And she is just gathering and doing some really, really good work um, along with Porter's Gate. Porter's Gate released an initial project of songs that are going hand in hand with, with the book. But they are working hard to build a, um, a database over the next few years of resources for churches yeah. um, to, to delve into the themes of work and worship and yeah. bringing our work into our worship and our worship into our work. Mm-hmm. And it's really fantastic. Yeah. It, it was fascinating listening to, because uh, the, the, the 12-song challenge folks, uh, yeah. Joel, you know, they said, hey, let's all write songs about work uh, for yes. worship, which I thought yes. was really interesting. And even, you know, I think he, somebody used the phrase, um, uh, you know, back in agricultural days, you had the blessings of the plow, uh-huh. which I really wanted to write a song that uses the phrase, the blessings on the mouse or something like that. You know, pre- Seriously. <laughs> I mean, you know? There, I think it, I listened to that podcast because Katie, um, was it Katie and Matthew or just Kate? One of, they were, they were on that podcast, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a real reticence in our songwriting these days to use any modern terms when it comes to our work. And I, th- I find that really interesting. Yeah. Like we're fine talking about plowing and wheat and tares and things that we don't spend a lot of time doing in, ter- you know, in, um, in the city right. at least. Um, right. But we haven't moved into being able to write s- hymns or spiritual songs that include the words like, computer and calendars and appointments and phone calls and cell phones. And, you know, we're not, we haven't moved into that and that's our, but that's our life. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if this can propel that just a little bit more. Yeah. 
Well, and and even some of the the things that they discussed ever so briefly, like okay, how do you do confessions or prayers uh, yeah. or other sorts of things that mm-hmm. are get kind of concrete in that way? Uh, yeah. I thought that was uh, that was super fascinating to see what comes out of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's very cool. No, I totally agree. Great. Yeah. Let's see. Anything else? So I'm going to just touch on this real briefly because I think it's a much longer conversation. But um, Adam Perez has been doing some really, really interesting work and study and writing. Yeah. On on where on 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 worship and music and worship music in the church in regards to the CCM industry, in regards to CCLI, in regards to who's making money and who's not in regards to a lot yeah. of those kind of things. And so yeah. I, I, I think it could be a deep, uh, it has the potential to be a really good, deep conversation. I think that could cross a lot of boundaries. And, yeah. um, I would just encourage people to go and find the, um, go and find those articles. Cause he's posted, I think he's posted three articles that he's written. Yeah. There's some really good stuff in there. That's, that's I think thought provoking. Yeah. What was his website? Worshipleaderresearch.com. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly right. Worshipleaderresearch.com. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Adam, I, I, I you know, see his name in a lot of different places, a lot of the research uh, mm-hmm. that he's done, but uh, mm-hmm. some of the articles in there were really interesting and really yeah. helpful to maybe, uh, I hope make us think a little bit. I hope so. Well, he has recently moved to, um, recently moved to Nashville and is actually at Belmont university. Oh. And so, um, right. we've been able to connect and I'm kind of dreaming that maybe he might come on the podcast and have an actual conversation with us. Wouldn't that be fun? Excellent. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. We uh, we yes. need to get him on here. That would be a, that would be fascinating to to hear what he had to say on that side. Yeah. Cool. Well, I know that there's there's lots of different conversations that happen on uh, on Facebook, and it's interesting to see yeah. you know the different questions that people pose and the dialogue that happens. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, looking at uh, uh, who was it that that asked for suggestions on communion songs? Um, that was Jeremy. Yeah. Yep. That was Jeremy. Yeah. Boy, did he draw some great music in there. It was. Yeah absolutely beautiful some of the um some of the stuff that he was able to draw out everything from i think there were some old maranatha songs and then i think more current music um i posted a song that i'd written for communion so (laughs) it you know it's just a it, it was a great culmination of a lot of things and i think he is putting all of them as much of it together as he can into a spotify playlist as well yeah uh, and there, there was yeah. another one on there, a discussion uh, that Michael brought up. He was looking for a particular chart in a particular key, and it, it led to a discussion mm-hmm. about how do you find the right congregational key? I don't know. If, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts. Um, one is a, is, an, is a an argument or a phrase that I have heard that keep the key in the key of C to shining C. So middle C up to the C above. And that is a really solid, easy place for most congregations to sing now that we are not singing with hymnals in four-part harmony. However, (laughs) that is with the caveat of it also depends on who's leading because boys generally sing in different keys than girls. Right. Right. Tenors and altos can generally sometimes handle some of the same range and baritones and sopranos can sometimes handle some of the same rage, although it'd be an octave, an octave different, but it really is important. I think, you know, there are different ways of being hospitable about that. I think sometimes if you have, you know, more that like maybe have a a male, if if you, if you're in the situation where you can do this, have a a male lead a couple songs, have a female lead a couple songs, Mm. and then, you know, you can have that. But if, if you're just one person, then yeah, you know, there's still some hospitality in that, in, in placing the keys. It might not be your favorite key, but it might be yeah. easier for the congregation to sing. Oh, wow. That's a great discussion right there. Like how do you, yeah. how do you love each other and yeah. submit to be able to invite the yeah. most people in even, yeah. Even though it's not your yeah. quote, your default key. Yeah, right. no, that's a great, uh, that's a great point on that. Yeah. And then the last one I wanted to highlight that I particularly, I, I liked interacting with, was somebody was asking for sound tech advice. Uh, it's a little bit of my background. Ooh, and, and That's so, way out of my league. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. Speak to it. I love it. <laughs> but it was, it was a good reminder. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we've got this technology component that, you know, well, we struggle enough just through COVID. How do you put things together in this whole remote fashion, but then we still have the live sound issue. And so that was a good, there was a lot of really great points on there um, where people were talking, like talked a little bit about arrangements 
on on some yes. things and and yeah. how important it is, the, you know getting the musician mix right and and the yeah. arrangement so that, that it's easier to mix in that way anyway really fascinating discussion no those are really those are really interesting discussions and i i you know there was a little tongue in cheek in there because i'm i'm technically not um i'm technically challenged in a lot of ways <laughs> but i do think i i resonated a lot with that because the majority of churches and i would imagine the majority of churches in liturgy fellowship are probably a hundred members or less. And mm, when you when you have churches like that, you're not talking about having six people on your worship team. You're yeah. talking about very likely one, two, three if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, rearranging things and making them sound as good as they can with what you have right. um, is it's an it's an art and it's a yeah. it's a you know, there again, there's hospitality in that on, you know, how your how your congregation is going to engage with with who you're bringing on and how loud things are, how yeah. um, or yeah. how quiet things are like it's yeah. there's there's a lot to be discussed yeah. in that. Yeah, I, I did appreciate um, uh, the Resound Worship folks had a uh, project out. This is three or four years ago called Songs for Sunday, mm. and they intentionally strip down their arrangements to be able to say, you might only have one or two instruments. Mm -hmm. So let's think about that as we're even writing and, and arranging our music uh, yeah. and, and try to love people well through that. So Absolutely. I think yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's important. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Uh, that was great. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for all the work you're doing every week, gathering those links. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate that. And uh, hopefully we'll have more of these sorts of discussions in the future. Uh, oh, it'll be on fun. future episodes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Rick. Well, we have a lot of members on Litfell, and we want to spend time each month just uh, highlighting uh, what you all are doing, uh, where you are, what you've been up to, what you're learning, what you're excited about. Uh, so today we're going to hear from Rebecca in Whitney, UK, uh, a little bit about what they've been up to there. Hey everyone, my name is Rebecca Bees. I'm a worship leader and a songwriter and I live in Whitney, which is an old market town about 20 minutes to the west of Oxford. Um, here in the UK. Um, I'm a worship leader and I lead the worship team here in our church. It's a charismatic evangelical church of about 200 people and we're growing quite rapidly at the moment. Um, I love to do songwriting, finding out what God wants to say for the churches in our area and that we serve in um, and being able to help give language to people to glorify God and to connect with him and that's really at the heart of everything I do. I also get to travel a little bit and train worship leaders in churches over the world, um, which is very, very exciting to be a part of. I've been connected in with the Rizan Worship crew for the last five or six years, and that's how I came to hear of the Litfell group. And I found it really rich um, and encouraging because I'm from a charismatic evangelical background and that's all I've ever really known. And so to be able to discover through the Resound group and through this group here as well, to be able to discover some of the more traditional um, riches and depth of, of expressions of worship that I haven't had access to before has been uh, such a blessing. So I'm very early on in my uh, journey with this and, and discovering liturgy and ancient prayers and, and a lot of the stuff you talk about I don't really know much about, but I'm really, really interested to learn and to grow and to sort of remine and rediscover some of these ancient truths and beautiful ways of expressing worship uh, to come alongside the way that we normally do stuff and, and blend together and I think that's one of the richest things I've found. I used to think that, that it was so great that different people could worship in different ways. And, and now I very much feel it is so great that we can learn from one another and draw on one another and um, just get into a much more dynamic, diverse way of expressing our worship to God. Thanks, Rebecca. If you'd like to highlight what you've been up to, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Next, we'd like to welcome the Reverend Dr. Michael Farley, who's here to help us dive into different aspects of worship, theology, history, and culture. And we've asked Mike to uh, come in and help us think a bit more broadly uh, about uh, what is going on in our services and how we should be thinking about it. Mike, I'd love for you to kick us off. Uh, tell us about yourself, uh, what you do, where you are, and how you got into studying worship and theology. Yeah, I I've been... 
uh, I've been sort of involved in worship related kinds of things really my whole life. My my mother was the music director at a large United Methodist church uh, when I was growing up. And so I just naturally grew up as part of a very traditional kind of church music environment. But more recently, when I got into seminary, I, I went to Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. And, and as I was just doing music work in the churches that I was involved in and some with the seminary chapel as well, uh, I began to realize that I was really interested in this whole area of planning worship, but I also realized by that point that I really didn't know anything about it. <laughs> right. Uh, I didn't. And, and as I just began to dig more and more into and and, and discover that uh, this is a whole world. Right. This is the whole world of interesting scholarship and, and practice and history. And that, that just fascinated me. And I realized I really want to dig much deeper into this whole area of, of the church's practice and life um, so that I can be some kind of leader in it. Um, and uh, so that led to me uh, actually doing PhD level work. I went to St. Louis University, which is a Catholic university in St. Mm. Louis, uh, to do PhD in historical theology, uh, where I focused all my writing and research on, uh, on various liturgical history and, and theology. Uh, and that led to me having the opportunity to teach some worship classes at Covenant Seminary, uh, but also, uh, at the same time, I was serving as the worship director for a new church plant uh, during those years. Uh, my wife and I were part of a, a, a PCA, a Presbyterian Church in America church plant here in St. Louis, where I was the worship director, where I was planning services and uh, playing piano every week and rehearsing music teams and, and doing all the stuff. Uh, yeah. So it was it was a really a, a great treat to be able to, to study worship academically and uh, be a worship director at the same time, yeah. uh, functionally. And, and that path ultimately led me to where I am now. I, I serve at Central Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, Missouri, um, and which is an EPC church, uh, Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And uh, here I, I am on our worship planning team, and I prepare the texts for our worship and teach about worship uh, in, in, our, in, in our church. And, and I've also uh, continued to teach at Covenant Seminary, teaching there uh, as a visiting instructor, teaching their, um, their MDiv course for worship now. Yeah. Well, we're, we're chatting about talking about Pentecost. Obviously, uh, some of the uh, things that we've highlighted from the last month have been more Easter focused on uh, the next kind of the big one on on the calendar is Pentecost. So I'd love to hear from you kind of a little bit about the history. Where did where did Pentecost come from? What is it? Where did it come from in Scripture? And how is the history of the church kind of engaged with this? Yeah, that, thanks, Ray. That's a great question. Pentecost is the Christian celebration of the Holy Spirit that occurs on the the eighth Sunday or 50 days after the beginning of Easter. Um, this is, a, of course, a, a pretty fitting day to focus on the Spirit because in the New Testament, the ascended Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit in that very multi-sensory way that we see in Acts chapter 2 on his disciples 50 days after his resurrection. Now, Pentecost as a festival is a celebration with quite ancient roots. In the Old Testament, God actually commanded Israel to celebrate an annual harvest festival that was called the Feast of Weeks that occurred 50 days after Passover. And that became associated in, in, in later history with the term Pentecost, which is a Greek word that just means 50th. Uh, so, so there's already this 50-day pattern in the Old Testament, and this is the festival for which many Jews from many nations had gathered in Jerusalem in Acts 2 when the Spirit was manifest to them in the miracles of wind and fire and languages. Now, early Christian churches began to develop an annual celebration um, uh, of the Spirit by, the, by about the end of the second century. Uh, in this period, some churches were beginning to observe Easter as not just a day, but as a 50-day period after the first Sunday of Easter to celebrate Jesus' resurrection and to celebrate his ascension to heaven as our king and to celebrate the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. All, all of those were combined together in this 50-day celebration. And by the fourth century, some regions in the church were starting to follow the chronology and acts more closely by observing distinct celebrations of Jesus' ascension on the 40th day after the beginning of Easter and then a celebration of the Holy Spirit on the 50th day. Uh, and these distinctions had become nearly universal by about the 5th century. So this kind of 50-day pattern has been around for, for, for quite a long time now. I would say, though, that um, there are some Protestants who, who, who tend to think of this portion of the church calendar as, as being a uniquely Catholic or, or maybe a Catholic and an Orthodox thing. Uh, and it's certainly very important in the calendars of those church traditions. But, 
But also the more you know, the more high church Anglican or Lutheran traditions have maintained Pentecost as part of their annual calendars of celebration from the Reformation era onward. And so did some other even more like Genevan-influenced Reformed churches, uh, even those that eliminated the vast majority of the, the of the liturgical calendar. This is one of the days that each, some of those churches maintained. So there, so there's these handful of days that mark the highlights of Jesus' earthly ministry. That even the even Reformed churches that had rejected pretty much everything else about the calendar, they hung on to these days as a way of saying we should come back to these on an annual basis to 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 kind of keep the church rooted in the, in, in in the ministry of Christ. So it sounds like there's there's a long history of this uh, celebrating in the church across different traditions. You know, from a theological perspective, like why does it matter? Uh, does it does, is it important to remember this? What what implication does it have yeah, have for yeah. us from that standpoint? I think one major reason why I think this is this is just valuable for all churches theologically is that it completes the story of Christ establishing His kingdom. Uh, most of the liturgical calendar is just a way to have the church walk through the story of Jesus' earthly ministry from His birth to His death to His resurrection. But the story of Jesus' work to accomplish our redemption is not complete. And his redeeming mission in the world cannot move forward apart from his sending the Holy Spirit mm. as the spirit of the risen Christ to indwell his people as his personal presence among us and to apply the redemption that Christ accomplished for us. So, I, so my big answer to that question is this is a fundamental part of the story about how Jesus establishes his kingdom in the world. And that's worth celebrating and, and highlighting, I think, um, so that we keep that part of our of our belief and our heritage in front of us. Um, and just as the ecumenical creeds like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed move from Father to Son to Spirit, the Festival of Pentecost, by, by doing this every year and, and having this annual focus on the Spirit, it brings a more fully Trinitarian shape to our liturgical celebration of our triune God by bringing the, the Spirit's unique person more fully into view. And one thing I, I think that's helpful to keep in mind in worship planning uh, for Pentecost is, is keeping in mind the whole breadth of the Spirit's ministry. It, it's, it's natural and good on the day of Pentecost to read the narrative from Acts 2, uh, and that story highlights some specific dimensions of the Spirit's ministry including his being the ongoing presence of the ascended Christ, as Jesus promised in, in John 14 and 16, his work as the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy to bring life to God's people, like we see Peter quote from Joel 2, and his reversing the curse of Babel and extending Christ's kingdom globally, bringing unity to Christ's followers across every barrier that divides human beings from each other. And those are all really fundamental themes for the Holy Spirit's work. Yeah. But I think as worship planners, we will we will serve the church well by by also highlighting other dimensions of the Spirit's ministry as well. It's the Holy Spirit who works with Father and Son to create the world and to govern the course of the world according to God's providence. It's the Spirit who unites us to Christ and makes spiritually dead people come alive in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who illumines the Word of God to enable us to hear and understand and believe the Word of God. It's the Spirit who sanctifies us by conforming us more and more to the image of Christ in our daily spiritual growth and transformation. And it's the Spirit who equips God's people with different gifts for service in the world. Now, while, while all of these themes are probably too much to try to squeeze into just one day of worship, uh, it's wise, I think, if over time our celebrations of Pentecost can help the church see and savor the many different facets of the Holy Spirit's work in us and in the world. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, it's it's, it's interesting. We, you talk several times about the story, and I think it's it's helpful word. It's a helpful word to th help us think through that because I know some folks hear the word liturgy or liturgical, and they 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 maybe think it's a little bit too dead. Mm -hmm. um, and it really is just retelling the story, and, and even just replacing the word liturgy with the word narrative or story. All of a sudden, it shifts your perspective of no, we're retelling the story. It's it's important to be able to do that. Uh, yes, continually yes. come back to that to that story. So, think about all the different traditions that we have uh, in in Litfell. You know, Anglicans, Baptists, Charismatics, non-denominational, Pentecostal, Reformed. Thinking about um, all those different traditions that are there, is there is there one um, thing you'd love to see more people reflect on when it comes to Pentecost or or including their services or think about as they're as they're engaging with that? Well, I think there's there are so many different ways that different church traditions could could do this. You know, churches like like Catholic and Lutheran and Anglican churches, they have they have very structured 
kinds of, of, of liturgical services that, that have all kinds of resources, and, and those can be helpful. But celebrating Pentecost is not really um, tied to having any one particular structure per se, uh, but, but, but I think it is really helpful for, for the church, on, particularly on special days like this, uh, to think about how can we, we pull together these different themes across all the different dimensions of our services of worship uh, through all the different elements that, 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 that go into those services. You know, so you can find Pentecost texts for, for every element of a worship service, from, from a, a call to worship, to a benediction, to different kinds of prayers for the beginning of a worship service or prayers of confessing our sin or prayers for asking God to be at work in the church. There are all kinds of great resources like the worship source book or, or denominational books from that are Anglican or Presbyterian or Lutheran or whatever. You don't have to belong to those denominational traditions to really benefit from, from looking at some of those sources and seeing ways that some of the, some of the, the, the texts in those prayers can really give us some language uh, to help to help give voice to um, how to lead people to pray, yeah. how to lead people to give thanks for the ministry of the Spirit, how to how to ask for the Holy Spirit to be at work, you know, in our lives, uh, in all the ways that He does. Yeah. So there, and, and of course, one of the most you know fundamental ways to do this is also in what we sing. There's just there's a such a yeah. long, rich um, tradition of songs about the Holy Spirit. So there's just so many resources, and I would just want to encourage worship planners to ask. How could you have a special day where, where you, th this this becomes the theme that ties together everything you do, from what you pray and how you sing and what you read mm. and preach, and how can all that work together to to help us have a renewed uh, thankfulness for the Holy Spirit, a renewed understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, and uh, and a renewed sense of expectation and experience of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in in what he does in worship and how he's sending us into the world. Yeah, and and I think you you picked out one hymn um, that uh, in particular that you thought was was highlighting that. Which which one was that? Did you want to? Yeah, did I you thought it would be that? great to close today with a with a prayer from this very ancient hymn uh, in Latin. It's Veni Creator Spiritus, but in English it's often rendered as Come Holy Spirit, Come Holy Ghost, Creator Blessed. Uh, let, let me let me conclude with a few verses here as our as our final prayer. Come, Holy Ghost, Creator blessed, and make our hearts your place of rest. Come with your grace and heavenly aid, and fill the hearts which you have made. To you, the Counselor, we cry, to you, the gift of God Most High, the fount of life, the fire of love, the soul's anointing from above. In you, with graces sevenfold, we, God's almighty hand, behold, while you, with tongues of fire, proclaim to all the world his holy name. Your light to every thought impart, and shed your love in every heart. The weakness of our mortal state with deathless might invigorate. Praise we the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit with them one, and may the Son on us bestow the gifts that from the Spirit flow. Right on. Yeah, Mike, thanks so much. That's uh, that's great, and it's fun to be able to read those as a... Uh as poetry, even before you might sing it somewhere. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty fantastic. Uh, well, Mike, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate your time today. Looking forward to doing some more of these, diving into different aspects of history, theology, culture, and whatnots, and uh, encouraging everybody in different ways. So thanks so much. Really appreciate your time, Mike. It's been an honor and a privilege, Rick. Thanks so much. All right, next up, we've got a discussion uh, with Sam Hargreaves on rest. Sam and his wife, Sarah, along with Gemma and Timo Sharnowski, run Engage Worship here in the UK. And their aim is to resource the local church for creative, sustainable, and world-changing worship. So, Sam, welcome Thanks for to the me. podcast. Thanks so much. Uh, I'd love for you to tell us a bit more about yourself, uh, what you do, where you are, how you got involved in worship, and what Engage is, is all yeah. about. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, I started leading worship when I was a teenager. Uh, I was in a church, little Baptist church, and there was just opportunities. Went along to you know Christian events and saw, um, yeah, saw people leading worship in bands and thought, oh, this looks fun. And, and there was an opportunity in my church to to do that. And then went to London School of Theology, and there's a there's a worship uh, degree course there. So I was the second 
uh, cohort to do that course. And then we uh, worked for a church in South London when we were first married. Uh, I was the worship pastor and that was really intense, really great, um, exciting, really creative, mm-hmm. um, just taught me a whole lot. And then we moved on from there. We were a short time in Cambridgeshire um, in a sort of rural church. And it was at that time when we started Engage. So there's a, an organisation called the Music and Worship Foundation, which has been going for like 30 years more. Right. Um, and they formed, yeah, back in the 80s. And it was all about kind of bridging the divide. At the time, it was very much Worship Wars time. So it was, you know, are we traditional um, organs and choirs or are you kind of worship group guitars? And they were really trying to bridge the divide between those two. And then in 20, I think it was 2007, uh, or 2008, we started working for them and they were saying, well, can you guys do a sort of younger, a younger end of what we're doing with Music and Worship Foundation? So that's when we started Engage Worship and it was very small to begin with, just Sarah and I for like a day a week each and trying to work out what we were doing and yeah. <laughs> doing yeah. training days and stuff. Uh, but that's grown. So I'm full-time for Engage now and we've done, yeah, like you say, like training and resources is really our thing. So right. there's a website with tons of like 600 free worship ideas, which is the whole range of prayers, PowerPoints, videos, all age stuff, reflective stuff. And and then um, we've packaged those together and, and done kind of collections. So we've done things around themes or around seasons of the church year. Um, and then we've written some books. So we did a project with the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity called Whole Life Worship. Mm. Not dissimilar to, I know a lot of people are thinking about worship for workers at the moment with the fuller seminary stuff and it's it's uh, it has a slightly wider application for sort of everyone's whole life discipleship but along those kind of lines more recently we've we've been doing more kind of network stuff than just one individual church mm. and i think the other thing that sarah and i are particularly aware of is that we do serve sort of small to medium church so in general if you're a big church you've got all these resources that you can you can draw on um but it's the small to medium churches. It's the churches that say, well, we're just struggling for volunteers or we, we'd love to do this creative stuff, but we don't have the team for it or we want to do all age. It's all those ways that I think people often, and, and particularly during the pandemic, um, because we had a load of stuff online that was a little bit different, but actually often was the things that people wanted during the pandemic. So it was maybe reflective stuff or stuff that had a bit of a lament edge or videos or you know how do we do worship in the home how do we do worship with the family how do we do worship when we're dispersed and actually a lot of our stuff really connected with people yeah. on that at that yeah. season and it's, I, I love the the focus on the smaller churches just because oftentimes smaller churches feel like they can get lost right it's not the yeah. big church and we can't do the big production and make it sound like it's you know a highly produced something um, exactly. So yeah, I love love that yeah. focus. Well, so you you have a lot of different resources. You run different se- several different kinds of programs. You do books and music, resource guides for churches, uh, along with workshops and mentoring programs. So you all are really busy. So it wasn't necessarily a, a big surprise that your most recent <laughs> uh, resource pack was all on rest. Um, and I'm I'm curious about how that came about. Uh, what was your hope for this set of resources? Like, what was the what was the background from that, and and what did you actually yeah. put together? So it really came out of lockdown. Um, I think, like a lot of people, it was a pause, it was a break, it was a it was a disruption. There's a guy called um, uh, Noel Robinson, and he calls it the church's control alt delete moment. Mm. When <laughs> just you know, you just like ah, need to restart. Need to oh no, there's the sort of Jeremy Riddle like the reset thing, and I, I think that was definitely for me like. I went for a walk with um, uh, my friend Grace Baverstock Sentamu, who is now my vicar, actually. We've now joined her church. But we just went for a walk quite early lockdown and we were both saying, we can't go back to how we were. We were too busy. Church was too crazy. She'd been noticing that doing online stuff. And then when they just started to, to meet again, she was really cutting the services down and actually it was making a massive difference. Mm. Things were simpler uh, and it it actually was connecting with people in a new way. And then I think for me and Sarah, we, we were really busy at the beginning of the, probably the first year of the pandemic, 
we put out immediately we said right we're going to do a, um, a family worship idea every day for the home wow. so we did that for about 50 days i think like just churning that out and then sarah said oh i really feel god's calling me to um to do a i think for for families around emotions so we did this book called jesus and emotions uh and then we were saying oh well people really need um advent stuff advents coming and because yeah. you know we weren't doing training events we just had the yeah. time to do all these so we would put out um an advent thing uh, called worship in the waiting and then people were starting to go out and sarah said oh well the, the whole outdoor worship thing we've been doing that for years oh, like we've right. been running a thing called park church for years so she said, well, that, that's people who need that right now. They're going outside. They're asking, how do we worship outside? So we don't think we'll worship in the woods. And so we ended up over lockdown, you know, and videos and all this stuff, but doing about five books in about a year and a half. Right, right. Uh, and then we sort of stopped and we had a prayer time on Zoom with our um, trustees. And, you know, we, we do a kind of listening prayer. So we're saying, let's have some silence. Let's just wait on God. And, you know, people were writing things down and, and, everyone kind of fed back and feels like God was saying rest. Mm. <laughs> we're like, Oh, okay. And we, to, to me, my instinct was like, Hey, churches are just emerging from all this stuff. They need the new thing. They need the, and so I was sort of gunning for like, well, let's, what's our next thing? What's our next? And it was just like rest. It's like, Oh, <laughs> and I think to be honest, like initially we said, well, <laughs> to be honest, I walked away and I went, Oh, the rest is worship. That's a good name for a resource. <laughs> I was like, because I'm a dad, like it's the pun that comes right. first. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so we started like reading up on rest and Sabbath and fun and play and contemplative stuff. And, but we really did feel God say, yeah, that's all right, guys. But you also just need to rest. You know, you need mm. to learn what it is to rest in me. And so I think in all honesty, like the main thing was God working in our hearts and saying, Sam, sorry, you were too busy before lockdown. You were overcomplicating worship. You were not, you know, taking the time to be in silence or solitude and you weren't really doing Sabbath. And none mm. of that felt like um, a big kind of heavy guilt, shame inducing thing. It felt like a kind of an invitation that God was saying, you know, there is a better right. way. You know, Jesus is like, you know, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I will give yeah, you rest. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. we started to receive that for the first time and be like, oh yeah, there is something better than, you know, scrolling on my phone when I think that's a rest. <laughs> There's a better way that Jesus is offering me. Yeah. Yeah. And so you put together, it's, it's a book, it's a, a kind of a resource packs. There's some music in there as well. Yeah. I'm curious what what the response has been from folks. Any anything surprising come come out of this that uh, you know when people are going through this and trying to use them? Well, I think the main encouragement has been that it's felt like other people are on this page as well. I mean, we're obviously not mm. the first. I think for many people, the John Mark Homer relentless elimination of hurry was something right. that many many people read, particularly during lockdown, and and also had the same feeling as us of like, oh, hang on, we've been too busy. Right, um, right. but I think we wanted to, to, to sort of the angle we wanted to come from was, well, actually, where does worship fit into this? Because I think it's, it's one thing to think of, um, rest as a spiritual discipline or, but actually often we don't equate it with worship and worship. We tend to actually equate with work. Like you think of, you know, liturgies, the work of the people or the importance of, you know, forming people through worship or the changing the world through worship and all these you know or maybe many of us have just got jobs where we're worship leaders or mm, right. you know, we really want to bring that sacrifice of praise but actually to equate rest and worship and we've kind of got to the point of going well they're not the same thing but there's far more overlap than we initially imagined um so the book is like a 40 day thing so you could yeah. read it during lent or you could just read it as a sort of morning devotional thing or you can just binge it if you want but it has that yeah. worship yeah, thread yeah. right through it and yet we didn't want it just to be for kind of worship leaders and pastors. So the book itself is for anyone. And we hope that any, you know, Christian will, will, and we've had the feedback of people saying they read it during Lent and it's been really helpful to them. Mm -hmm. um, one guy I've got the quote, we really enjoyed reading a book. Um, Sabbath practice is an area 
the God has been working on with me for a while. I love the practical and wider, wider implications that your book brought out, both personally for my family and church life. So that's been, you know, really encouraging to hear feedback like that. I know another friend and she has been on like a year sabbatical and she described it as like, oh, this was like my, my companion because yeah. it was just confirming so much that I felt God was saying. And so that's been really exciting. And then we decided to do an ebook yeah. of what we call the Leaders Resource ebook, which is because we did think that there was actually a lot of application for Sunday mornings and how we do gathered worship, but we didn't want to push that too much into the kind of devotional book because if you're not a church leader or a worship leader, it's just not going to be relevant. And the good thing about an ebook is you can put all the links in. So it's immediately like you can have a, and you know, you're probably going to read it as you're planning more than devotionally. So you have it on your computer or your device or whatever. And then you can immediately click, oh, here's a prayer, here's a song, here's a contemplative idea, Mm. reflection or something. Um, And yeah, we we have, as we've been using it in our church. So, you know, my my vicar said, yeah, let's use that during Lent. Uh, We've also done it in other churches. We've got invited to, yeah, church in, Uh, Bury St Edmunds and we were doing their morning service and telling some stories and and encouraging people hey you know you're allowed to say no yeah yeah and the feedback from people really quite emotional afterwards coming up and saying I wasn't sure I was allowed to say no yeah you know (laughs) but I've just felt God you know confirm that to me well it's funny it's this weird tension right between well Sabbath it's the day of rest we're all supposed to be Mm -hmm. resting but if you work for the church or in the church it's not necessarily a, a day off. <laughs> no, <laughs> how do you, totally how do you deal with that with that tension in that? And it sounds like you're yeah. even trying to say, okay, even in the midst of the work that you're doing on a Sunday morning, how do you engage that that idea of rest and resting, both physically resting in Christ, uh, all those sorts of yeah. things. Uh, and I was really struck by, I got to ten, attend one of your uh, day retreats for worship leaders, um, mm. and it's with uh, Evergreen. Uh, which is it's eight it's focused on kind of the 18 to 35 year old uh, cohort is that right yeah so timo and Gemma, when they um were employed a couple of years ago we they're a little bit younger than us and we said well what are your passions we don't just want to make you into the sort of same mold that we've been doing and they said well because timo had had the experience of working for a church for a few years and then really kind of burning out mm-hmm, on that right. and not feeling that he'd had the kind of mentoring and the support and the encouragement so the vision is a, a of um yeah, a group of younger worship leaders who are being formed and um, mentored and encouraged and have spaces to come and retreat. And and as part of that, there's a, a year program called Evergreen Plus, where from January, you, you do a year where you start off with a, a residential retreat. And then you have, um, you do all the, the three day retreats throughout the year. And then the, the real added bonuses are that you have a mentor so rick i know that you are one of the mentors <laughs> yes great and fun by the way i really i really enjoy it it's really fun excellent yeah well that was that was part of the thing of thinking actually people want slightly older people who've i mean it's actually in i don't know about in the us but in the uk it's quite rare to find people who are in slightly later life and are still heavily involved in worship yeah. ministry whether that's employed or as a as a really committed volunteer so many people they either crash out because people get employed at a really young age you know straight out of school uh, and especially a lot of the the, what the anglican church calls resource churches which are these kind of holy trinity brompton type Mm. plants Uh, there's a lot of money and they hire a vicar and the second thing they hire is a worship leader and often they're very young and they're full of energy and they're very malleable and they're willing to work for not very much money and work all the hours that God sends. But quite quickly, we just hear story after story of people being like, I couldn't hack the pace. I couldn't, you know, I, I, I just felt I wasn't, you know, you can just feel like a kind of jukebox of playing, you know, worship music. And, and so we really want to um, address that by giving these young worship leaders space to retreat to giving them a mentor of someone who's a bit older and who can sort of say, well, this is how I've done this for the long haul. And we're also doing a kind of, we're calling it a habit of the month. So that might be something like Lectio Divina or Centering Prayer mm-hmm. or uh, Sabbath or Digital Discipleship or just something that's going to be kind of soul 
growing and just giving them a month where we sort of say this is this is the idea and here's how you might try it out and then they can talk about that with their mentor and you know you get all sorts of feedback some people are like well that totally didn't work for me and then we're like well that's fine and then other people are like oh no I tried that and it actually you know or this is how I adapted it for my lifestyle or my yeah. my character yeah well it was, it was the the one day retreat that I went on it was great because you you all were focusing on rest yeah and I was really struck by the response uh, of all these folks that really were like, oh, I, it's it's okay to rest, and it was it was really interesting just to see that it was almost like you were giving them permission to take a step back. And, and the other, the other thing that it was it was really interesting. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. It was you had times of quiet, you had some teaching, you almost had some times of like almost creative play, mm-hmm. and it was a good reminder that rest isn't simply going and taking a nap. Or I think you guys talked about scrolling yeah. on your phones. I'd love to, yeah. like, what have you learned about different kinds of rest like that? Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, we've we've been reading quite a lot about playing fun as well. Yeah. It is important to say that rest is going to look different to everyone. Mm-hmm. And often it's about what you don't do for your work life. Mm, right. So for me, like, actually playing worship songs on my acoustic guitar doesn't feel restful because <laughs> I associate that with work. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, totally. So I've had to find, like, but music is still fun, yeah. right? So... Things like getting my electric guitar out and doing loop pedal stuff. Now, I never do that on a Sunday morning. So to me, that's actually, yeah, and it's it's that sense of play, which, you know, people say it's like doing something with no immediate goal. Yeah. I mean, it has loads of long-term effects when you play. Play is absolutely formative, obviously for children, but so much for adults too that we just right. don't, um, we don't delve into. But that idea of being playful, so doing stuff that doesn't have an immediate goal, immediate end. So you saw people like doing um, clay, you know, it could be drawing, it could be playing music that's out of your work sphere. Um, It could be playing sports, although, you know, I'm not a big sports person, but again, like it's interesting how sports starts with play, but then it gets more and more competitive. And I think for some Mm -hmm. people that takes the rest out of it or... You know, for me, like going for a run is quite restful. But if you're someone who um, is really pushing themselves in there, that that becomes almost part of your work. Like, say, the yeah. um, cooking. Like, I I think cooking is quite playful and restful. Yeah. But if yeah. you cook every day for you know screaming kids or whatever, then maybe it's it's then not it's... so fun anymore. Yeah. But yeah, that whole mindset of like play and and then you know reading up on people talking about you know the the Marva Dawn thing about you know, worship being a royal waste of time. And you sort of think, Mm. oh, hang on. This isn't necessarily supposed to be achieving short-term goals. Yeah, Like there should be just a delight in coming into God's presence. And all those goals that, you know, when it's like, well, we're going to do worship because it's going to evangelize. Yeah. You know, which has got its place. Absolutely. But actually you've, you've imposed a goal on worship then that it, doesn't necessarily have from the from the beginning like yeah. oh it's got to be impressive enough to evangelize to you know ted and sally well it's yeah. not really fun anymore <laughs> well the last part of the book i know gets really practical uh i think it's on uh worship uh arrest in, in gathered worship yeah. i think is is what it's called i'd love to uh, obviously we want to point people to the resources i'd love for for more people to to read this but you know is there is there one thing in that section that like a practical point that you found folks have found really useful uh really helpful that uh, that they can get their their teeth into a bit i think one of the big things for me has been around music itself and the fact that the mm. more technological music gets the more complex music gets the more people we feel we have to have involved um, and you know, I'm not against that. Like I'm a, I'm a kind of hold the tensions kind of guy. So I love creativity. I love breadth. I've got no problem with using technology, um, of using music from all kinds of styles. And I love all of that. Right. But I think there is actually a pressure that can come with all of that. And I just get pastors all the time say to me, oh, we don't have the musicians or we don't have the technology or we can't do this. So therefore we can't worship. And I'm like, well, you know, Jesus has kind of made this new and living way. And I'm not sure that we need 
really anything else other than him leading us to the father by the spirit like that <laughs> that kind of feels like what we need yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and the other things are kind of nice to have or they they they, they fulfill you know some good purposes but yeah. they don't they ought not to be essential so one of the things we just say to people is like you know there's a load of good things in your service but maybe they're not essential and maybe sometimes you need to strip them back and so that can be on the musical level like simplifying what it is you're trying to achieve musically it could be on a liturgical level this is what happened in in my church is that grace looked through the order of service and basically just put lines through things not that she's not a good anglican because she really is but she's saying this was too much and so actually settling on well these are the non-negotiables everywhere these are what we're going to do this is what we're going to repeat every week and that itself is is quite simple because it means we do the same call to worship prayer every week you know right. we just know that's going to happen we do the same offering prayer every week. we do the same blessing every week and we can be creative between those things yeah but cutting the services down so our services are like 50 minutes now um probably not much more than that right uh, and often that's with holy communion um yeah. included yeah and for the leader it feels much more restful because you're not trying to pack loads of things in but also for the congregation, they don't have that sense of, oh, looking at your watch, oh, is this going to be an hour and 20? Is it going to be an hour and 40? Mm. Yeah. You kind of know that, no, this is going to be a manageable amount yeah. that I can engage with. And, and we're not rushing, again, because we're we're aware that, well, we don't have a huge amount to try and achieve on this Sunday. Yeah, um, It can be those things. It can also be you know trying to pack creative ideas in um yeah as i say i'm a creative person i yeah have the danger of like oh let's have 10 different creative ideas in this service but like well maybe one you know maybe i need to look at myself and uh be aware of that maybe it's the amount just the amount of words yeah you know oh, some of yeah. our services are so, so wordy yeah um and i have never encountered when some uh, Many times I've cut down, you know, a sermon or a talk or something and someone says, oh, it's not 30 minutes now, it's 15. And when you go through it and cut things out, you almost almost end up going, oh, this was much better at 15 <laughs> minutes, you know. <laughs> that editing process is actually really good. And same can be said of notices, same can be said of, you know, the little introductionary things we do often between. Yeah. yeah what yeah. about if we took a red pen and cut a load of those out? To me, like, that simplifying process is probably one of the key things for how we go about Sunday mornings. The other thing is, sort of, as you say, coverage. You're, like, trying to fill all the time, like, no dead time. Yeah. You know, and and now with the modern stuff, you've got the pads and the loops that fill all the gaps and all the cracks, and you've got the visuals that fill all the creative space. Right, right. You've you've planned everything you're going to say so that you're filling all the airtime. You know, the contrary to that, there's this Henry Nouwen quote that I absolutely love. He says, that's what gathered worship or liturgy is all about. A little bit of bread, but not enough to take hunger away. A little wine, but not enough to take all thirst away. A few words, but not enough to take ignorance away. It's a little bit. And it creates some boundaries where we are poor together. Even just that concept, like who's planning worship saying, let's try and be poor together this Sunday morning, you know? And then he says, we sing a song. It's useless. We read a little reading. It's not saying everything. We take a little piece of bread, a little sip of wine, and we are silent. I think words and songs and everything we do are to create a safe, silent place where we can hold hands around an empty spot and trust that there God will reveal himself to us. And I'm like, that is totally the opposite of my mindset, of the mindset that I see in so so many, you know, we've got to fill the time. He's like, no, 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 let's be poor together. Let's create some boundaries for a safe, silent space, you know, where in our poverty, we can be like, God, we need you. To me, that's, that's kind of restful worship is saying, I'm not going to strive to try and create you know you, you read the things on the we, we we read a lot of adverts for for worship pastors at the moment and they also you know to lead people into the presence of god it's like is that really our job can we do that as humans with songs and lights and li- like it's just but actually that the whole now and thing of like no we're going to be put we're going to create some boundaries where we can be poured together and we can wait on god that to me yeah. that's like what i 
what I'm aiming for. Yeah, so it's almost, yeah, you, it'd be interesting to read a job description where the first line is, we want somebody to uh, lead us in a, you know, in our poverty towards God or something yeah. like that. <laughs> That's good. I love that. I want to join that church. Yeah, exactly. Good. And, and where can folks find out more info about this and get the resources? Yep. So it's engageworship.org. And if you go slash rest, you get all the information about the rest project, the, the devotional book and the leaders resource ebook. If they're interested in Evergreen, it's the same engageworship.org slash evergreen. Uh, and that's the, the, the main way we are on most of the socials media, um, which is at engage worship. And I think it's at evergreen worship UK. And they can always find you, I guess, on the Facebook group, the Lidfell yes. Facebook group. Yes. We are, we are, I'm on the Lidfell. Yeah. And it's, um, I was saying to you before we started, it's just some, an amazing community. I think literally fellowship and, so rare yeah. online to find something so broad and yet so gracious and welcoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, I, I'm always astounded by the the curiosity that people have on there. Like, oh, what are what are different people doing, and, and willingness to learn from each other in different traditions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm. It's, uh, and it's gold, really- if you want to kind of get people's you know input or opinions or who knows a song about yeah. this obscure part of the. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you get 27 links. And yeah. You think, oh, geez, now where do I go? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it's perfect. Well, Sam, thank you so much for the time. Really Sam. appreciate it. Uh, it's great to, to chat about rest. A good reminder, I think, for all of us to, to be able to do that. So really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Bless you. Bye. Well, thanks again, everybody. You have been listening to the inaugural episode of the Litfell podcast. Really glad that you were able to join us. Uh, Please do let us know if this was useful to you. Uh, And to lead us out, we're going to be listening to the rest of Come All You Heavy Laden, uh, which is from Evergreen Worship on their rest project. So thanks very much. We will chat soon. Find rest for your souls Come all you stressed and anxious Come all who clench their fears Come all whose minds are reeling Find rest for your souls Peace, be still my soul of Jesus Come and sit at His feet Come, it's all that you need Surrender all Be still, my soul It's all that you need 
Be still my soul. 